How's everybody doing this morning? Is everybody awake? Everybody say happy birthday, D. Yeah, happy birthday, D. She's heading up to the clubhouse. It's her birthday today, so you see her after, make sure to tell her happy birthday. All right, well, um, thank you guys for coming. We've had a few ask about um, these online, or excuse me, the outdoor services. So we just, we were going to try to do one the last couple of weeks, and it was raining, and things wouldn't cooperate. So here we are today. So I just want to welcome you guys, and uh, we're just going to sing a few songs together. Um, and just also, I know that it'll probably be mentioned later, but our youth, uh, Dusty, Pastors Dusty and Albie, are taking the Youth Too Long's retreat. Yeah. So pray uh, for them that lives will be changed and uh, teenagers and leaders going would uh, come back with a different view and um, just start moving in the call on their life that God has. So that's always an exciting thing. So keep them in their prayers. They'll be leaving right after church, loading up. We're just going to sing a few songs together.
something that's worth that would bless your So, I guess just immersed by church culture, and it's all about lights and music, and how you present things, and having the, the loudest and the best band, and 
your church being the biggest and the greatest. God gave him this song that when everything's gone, the lights are gone, when the church service is gone, uh, where you have a relationship with God, that we just need to come back to the heart of worship where we're just living a life that uh, worships God. So I just want to sing this for us just one last time. Sometimes we just skip back to the basics. I'm coming back to Good morning. Good to see everybody out today. Uh, Leslie says it's great to be outside, but the ants biting my neck and the flies landing on my arms and the sweat running down my back is trying to decide if that's true or not. I'm a crybaby. I can't help it. It is good to be here and good to see uh, such a good looking crowd of people assembled on a hillside, uh, sitting here to come together in like faith to assemble ourselves together, hopefully to learn together and end up serving others through our talks that we speak here at the bridge. It's going to be a little bit of a different sermon than normal for me, but that's, um, I guess that's why we're outside, is just to make sure that it is different. Um, this has been a week where I've uh, asked some questions. Has anybody ever asked questions? If you don't, you need to. And sometimes you need to ask questions of others to get their take on it because you might be tripped up in your own thought patterns that you can't realize and open up your mind if you don't hear from others and they may not believe like you they may not walk and talk and serve like you but God can use anybody to speak to you amen he used a donkey to speak to Balaam biblical what would you do Ricky if you walked out there and your donkey started talking you probably wouldn't go back and tell mom and dad because they'd think you're crazy right <laughs> you just just listen to the donkey for a minute 
So I want us to open our minds today and try to at least hear what I'm trying to say. I'm asking you to do that. Ecclesiastes 6, 12 is the verse I want us to, to talk about and look at and think through. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 12. And this is an Old Testament book. It was written by King Solomon that we done a whole sermon series on just a while back. And, and he's a man of wisdom, a man of understanding, a man, according to most in the world, was the wisest man to ever live other than Christ himself. So think about this as King Solomon is writing these words. He wrote a lot of words. You can go through Proverbs, you can go through Song of Solomon, and you can go through these others, but Ecclesiastes is where he is questioning things. He's thinking through some things. And I believe we're at a point and in a juncture of our life where we need to start questioning things and thinking through things. How many's tired of making mistakes? Amen? It seems to be a normal for us. Ecclesiastes 6, 12 says, For who knows what is good for man in life? That's a question. Who knows what is good for man in life? How many would like to accomplish what God set you here to do? Amen? So as we look at this and think of this, he's asking the question, for who knows what is good for man in life? Then he goes on and kind of answers it himself. All the days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. So he asks this question, but he's answering himself. When you ask yourself a question and answer it yourself, you're only getting your own wisdom. Amen? So he answers it, but is he really asking the right person if he's the one answering? I don't think so. I'll tell you who you ought to be asking your questions to. Is others, and most importantly, God. Amen? He can use a donkey. He can use unbelievers. He can use your boss. He can use... Your government officials is what Scripture says in Romans 13. So as we think through these things, think about this. We can learn from others if we open our mind and think. So in this answer, he says all the days are of his vain life. So he's already in, in kind of the molly grubs or whatever they call it. The, is that the right term? I, I say it all the time. Leslie says she don't even know what it means, but it means something to me. So the molly grubs. How many knows what the molly grubs are? Uh-oh, Whitney's the only one raised her hand. She's brave enough to do that. Do you care to depict or to define what molly grubs is? Yeah, downtrodden. Yeah, so I think that's a correct uh, call out. Great job, Whitney. There you go. On compliment Donald, though, when you get home. Just tell him you took all the thunder. It'll be okay. Has anybody ever been downtrodden? Feel like life just don't matter? Feel like you're on a path just like why, why exist any longer? Our society and our culture and our world that we're living in, a lot of people are in that path. That's not God's intent. Jesus said, I came that you may have life 
and have it more abundantly. But right before that, he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the question is, which version do you want? Do you want the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy your life? Or you want to listen to Jesus and have life more abundantly? Amen? An abundant life full of joy. Not that it won't be tried. Not that it won't be hardships come upon you. But you can still have joy in the midst of those. Just as Jesus did. But King Solomon's asking this question. He answers it that way. The days of his vain life, which passes like a shadow. How many feels like a shadow passes pretty quickly? A lot of you kept and sat down right here thinking you was going to be in the shadow, and now you're sitting in the sunlight, burning up. Sister Joanne's fanning herself. At least she brought a fan. Good job, Sister Joanne. Oh, Rose hooked you up. There you go. They're, they're sharing and caring now. That's awesome. Serving each other. But you can move. If the sun hits you and you get whatever, move. No problem at all. Then he asks another question, and he ends this verse with this other question. Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? And I think he's in this perplexing situation where he's seeing others pass from this life to the next. And he begins to challenge is what I'm doing, is it effective? Is it going to be lasting? Am I going to leave a legacy? And I think that's a question that a lot of us need to ask ourselves. Because sometimes what we think is important, or what I feel is important, may not be what is important. Amen? So when we think about this, and I want to go through this, and the title of this sermon is, Is versus ought is versus ought and I'm saying this because this is something that has I've listened to before but I re-listened to a podcast this week and it just this is what stuck out I'd listened to it before with my ears but I didn't hear what the person on the podcast said so sometimes we listen, but are we listening? Amen? We've got to be careful of what we're doing. But sometimes it's important, and God will bring it out later. And he intentionally causes us to go back and reread a verse or reread a scripture or reread a book in the Bible or, or have our eyes open to something. Aunt Mary told me a few weeks ago that she's heard about King Solomon all of her life, and she always heard about his wisdom and always heard about his understanding and always understood that he built a temple and done all these perfect things, but she never read the part where that it didn't end well. When he dies, the kingdom of Israel divided in two. Rehoboam and Jeroboam separated, and Judah and Israel become separate nations. Because he built the right thing doesn't mean that he set it up for success. He should have paid more attention to what God said to do instead of what he wanted to do. His is was, I want a bunch of wives and a bunch of concubines. We talked about that before in the sermon series. But this is kind of crazy to even come to this point this week after speaking last week about simplicity of the gospel and then come out here this week and say something as 
complicated as this. It's kind of sounds kind of dumb, <laughs> if I put it basic. But I believe this is what God wants us to say this week. So last week we st- discussed simplicity. Look at your neighbor and say you're simplistic. <laughs> Means you're simple-minded. Hopefully we all are, because <laughs> we need to be. God wants us to be simple in this life. But we're also aware that there's a complexity within simplicity when we begin to reason. Simple things can become very complicated when you dig deeper. Amen? There could be a simple truth that when you begin to reason it out or think through it will become very deep. And that's what the Bible is. You can read the Bible very plain and just look at it as strict black and white letters on a page. And you can also dig into it and find depths of truth that you've never known. Scripture is meant to be forever a challenge to us to understand. And you may come to an understanding and you may think you've got the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And then the next morning wake up and pray to God and say, open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart today and read a verse and it means something so completely deeper than you ever thought possible out of those words. So, we need to reason. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, I'm going to read this to you, verses 1 through 3, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hereto with you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For you are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? The Apostle Paul went and set up this church and established this church as a missionary. And he left others in charge and he left deacons and he left elders and he he sent people back. And he wrote these letters to the church at Corinth. And he's calling them out saying, you're still just mere men. You're still carnal in your thinking. You haven't went deeper. There's more truth to find. And as he's telling them this, he's not demeaning them. He's encouraging them. He's spurring them along. And any time that God, it says that he chastised those he loves. If God gives you a good whipping, amen, you need to say hallelujah. Because that proves that he loves you. And it's the same way with your kids when you're raising your kids. Sometimes you've got to correct them. Amen? If you don't, you're going to have hoodlums. Amen? There needs to be a correction. Healthy correction. It can be through words. It it, it can be through your actions. It can be through a little bit of paddling on the backside. Don't get overzealous with that. Amen, kids? It's a good time in to say amen. That was your chance. I, I teed it up for you. But Paul is encouraging them. He's 
spurring them to be better. And as Christians, that's what we're to do for one another. When we learn together and serve others, that's our purpose as the bridge, is what? To spur each other along, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to build each other up, which is the edifying of the saints, which means the building up. And Paul's doing that here. So don't look at this verse as him saying, you're a bunch of babies. Kindly he is. But in real terms, he's telling them you're a baby, but you should be grown up by now. Look around the crowd here and see if you can see anybody like that. I don't know if this person you're thinking of, don't look at them because I know you're thinking about them. How many feels like a baby in Christ? I, there's a lot more I need to know. Hebrews 5, later on Paul, I think, writes this to Hebrews. And he said, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. I'm old enough to take it. Elsie's not going to go chew on a steak today. A lot of milk. Maybe some squashed up peas. Yeah. Sweet potato gook. Something. Little baby dishes, right? But you train them up and you continue to nourish them until they get to the point because they need teeth first. How many teeth you got? Four? That's not enough chew. I've got a few more than that, and sometimes I have a hard time with eating a steak. I think it's this week, actually. I was eating a steak for lunch because somebody else was buying, and it's pretty awesome. And when I was eating it, I was chewing. I was like, man, this is this taking forever to chew. That's the reason I don't always eat a steak. But I was chewing, 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 keep chewing. Finally, I was like, I'm just going just gonna to swallow it. Not a good option. Not a good option. It seemed to take, it seemed like 30 seconds to get from here down to here. I was drinking water. I was, and I wasn't telling nobody. It's one of the things you're sitting around thinking that was dumb. I'm not going to tell everybody. I'm not going to be like, hey, man, I'm choking. Do the Heimlich on me here in the middle of the roadhouse. It's not going to go down like that. But a full age, even those who reason of use have their senses exercised, to discern both good and evil. This is a very, very, very deep verse. Paul is talking about things that society and humans won't understand until generations, centuries later, before people finally get it together and pull some truth out of this that bring about the betterment of humanity. But God is the one that told Paul to write this down. This isn't Paul's words, this is God's word. It's Hebrews 5. So God's saying, strong meat belong to them that are of old age. Been around a while. Been in the church for a season. Even those who reason, everybody say reason. What is reason? There's people that study and wrote whole books about that one word. 
250 years ago, 300 years ago, they, he wrote a book called an essay, and the whole topic was about reason. In the words we know today to be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this guy was the one that wrote that. Our founding fathers initiated that as our country a hundred years after he wrote them down. So those wise words come from a guy that was studying what is reason? What is thinking, basically? If you haven't sat in silence or solitude or prayed earnest prayers in silence, you need to. We're all too busy. Life is too complicated for us. And we're not thinking about things or pondering things, as my grandpa said, to try to define reason or logic or why is this? How does a tree grow? Dusty's got an app on his phone that he's, I guess, too lazy or too childish to take the time to study flowers and trees and everything. So you just get an app on your phone and you walk up to it and you hold the camera on it and it tells you what, what's the term, Dusty? species what what else it, it's got some other things that it, it'll go in depth about it, it, it's just crazy how a phone with a camera can do that i would love to take that back to mr Locke that was just studying reason and hand him a iphone and let him walk up to a tree and it define and depict what that tree is or that flower is or that weed is it's astounding the power that we possess in our generation that former generations were deprived of and they were smarter than us. Can anybody say amen? I'm not calling Dusty out. We're all in it with him. Amen. None of us are dumb. Maybe we're just ignorant. It's two different things. Dumb is doing it because you want to. Ignorant is doing something because you didn't know no better. I didn't know. That's ignorance. Reason will help us with that. And as we grow up, we should get better at doing what God asked us to do because our reason factor is we're going to do what his word says to do. And that's what Paul is saying here in Hebrews. When we become older and strong and well-aged, we should be a lot better at messing up at not messing up. So, everybody say this with me. God is not an idiot. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not an idiot. Now, I really want you to tell somebody. Make sure you're looking at somebody and saying, God is not an idiot. So sometimes we have to define that because there's some people out there who thinks God's an idiot. <laughs> He's not ignorant. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about everybody and every individual thing. There's nothing that he does not know. He created all this. He created you and me. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our future before we're in it. Why? Because that's who he is. He's not ignorant. He's not an idiot. We are the ones lacking understanding. We are the ones lacking wisdom. We are the ones lacking reasoning. 
And he's asking us today to do better. I made a statement this week as I was talking to somebody, and, and it's just something that kind of I, I wrote down in this that I just wanted to say it here today because I said it then, and it kind of made sense at the time. Um, history is short if we don't study. History is short if we don't study. Because history is only good if we study it and learn from it. In one of my podcasts a few weeks ago, the uh, person speaking said, we need to change our mindset in that I'm not willing to lose. How many, how many would like that? You, you cannot lose. It's impossible to lose. That'd be a good life to live where you would never lose. He said, and you can change your mindset to do that if you think this way. I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. Right? I'm going to win or I'm going to learn. I refuse to lose. And what if Christians today would have that mindset that say, you know what? I made a mistake. I've messed up. I've fallen short of the glory of God. All have done that according to Romans. All of us fall short of the glory of God. But we have an advocate with the Father that we can run back to. As Leslie said, it's all about you. The song that she was singing. And that's what we need to do. But history is short if we don't study. So we need to determine today, am I going to learn something from God's Word? And am I going to act on it? And am I going to be obedient to it? Or am I going to keep on doing the same thing? And you know what that is. Expecting a different outcome doing the same thing? It's insanity. And I don't want to be insane. I don't want, I don't want to be like that. I want to be better. So learn from history by studying. That's why as a church we have our purpose statement to be we're going to learn together and serve others. It's pretty simple. But yes, it, it, it's very complex. For one, Dusty asked about once a month when he takes the youth group down to the apartment complex and he'll come up and him or Albie one will challenge the adults or we'll say it from the front and announce that they're going to go down and do youth group live at one of the apartment complexes. And we say, you're welcome to come. You know what that's called? An invitation. By show of hands, how many has ever went to youth group live? Good. How many sitting here now knows you need to go to a youth group live? It's an invitation from God. We can sit back and point at these young people and say, I can't believe this generation acts like that. We did too. Come on, be truthful, somebody. I did too. I've done some dumb things in my life. I'm not proud of it. I'm not boasting about it. I'm just honest enough and humble enough to say that's who I am. I'm a bag of failures that God has used for His purpose. He didn't tell me to mess up. He didn't make me mess up. I chose to mess up, but He uses it for the good. Leslie's favorite verse in Romans says, everything, you know, is by His purpose is used for the good. I butchered that, but that's still the gist of it. So history is short if we don't study. That's a, that's a good quote for this week. I want you to think about that one and reason about that one. 
History is short if we don't study. Second, I asked another pretty wise individual, got more degrees than a thermostat or a thermometer. Sometimes you need some people like that around you. Come on, somebody. Powerful thinkers. And I asked them, you know, to define humanities. And in college, I didn't go to college. I'm jealous that I didn't get to go to college because I went through the school of hard knocks. But I'd like to know, what is humanities? And how many of you have got a college degree? Some sitting around there, cool. Associates, certificate, bachelor's, doctorate, any of those things. It's important. Education is important. Is that all you got? Is that all you're going to tell these young people up here? One person saying amen. Education is important. Come on, somebody. Adults, it's time to speak up. Here's your chance. Education is important. I didn't pay attention in class. I messed up through my years in high school. Don't follow my path. You'll end up in the school of hard knocks. And it ain't easy. If anything, they'd probably give me my doctorate degree through that alone. Right, Joe Don? You was there. You've seen it. You witnessed it. Absolute mess. Some people call it a hot mess. So I asked him to define humanities because he'd been to college enough to get more than one degree and very wise, very um, articulate person. And I said, define humanities for me. Here's what he said. He's trying to make it simple enough even I can understand. Thank God. <laughs> Put it in terms I know, right? So he said, soft facts versus hard facts used as predictors for future events. Soft facts versus hard facts used as predictors of future events. So it's, it's pretty wild when I begin to think about that because he said that in just a, a little bit. He had more to it than that. He had two or three more sentences than that. I didn't pick up all those, but that's the part I heard. And as he was saying it, I, I began to think about that. What, what is soft facts? What is hard facts? And you can look those up. What is a hard fact or what is a soft fact? And as you think about those things, soft facts are ones that are not yet entirely proven. Hard facts are facts. It's set in stone. It's like concrete. It's hardened up, and it cannot be changed. But a soft fact is more pliable and rigid to where it can still be malleable to be fixed to a different shape. So soft facts, that's what humanities is. It's a study of all kinds of different things that determines how are humans going to act. And how many knows history, if you don't learn it, you're destined to repeat it, as many have said before. And mistakes are made. As humans, we, we make mistakes. If we don't learn from others or ourselves or listen to God, we're going to make mistakes. We need to get better. But as this happens, as in college, they try to get students to study humanities to think about different cultures, different areas of the world. They study things that go all the way down to try to figure out if you were indoctrinated as a child with a belief system, it will impact your outcome. 
It's soft, it's malleable, it's not hard yet, but it will cause something to happen on the inside of you. There's triggers that happen to us that when somebody says Molly Grub, somebody in the crowd said, I've heard my dad say that before. That's a soft, that's humanities. So as this happens, the question is, can past happening, happenings be predictors or give insight to future outcomes? Can we study history in soft fact and say that is absolute this will happen? A plus B equals C in math, right? Pythagorean theorem, you, we all get that. A squared, B squared equals C squared. It works. It usually works out. I'll say usually because there might be a time where it won't. I'm going to call that a soft fact. It's a theory. And theories are subject <laughs> to change with future information. It's crazy when you begin to reason. As I, I'm, I'm, is this about done? It, it's probably a sign, but I'm not finished yet. Give me your. So do you understand what I'm saying? That a soft fact is different than a hard fact. So my question was, can past happening be predictors or give insight to future outcomes? Was a question I ask you to reason or think about, ponder, consider. Because I was raised, does it sometimes? Yeah. It's scary to think about these things. God doesn't want us to be racist. He wants us to be like him. And is God racist? That's the question. To reason that out, should I be racist or not? You have to determine this. Is God a racist? Will God save black people? That wasn't enough amen. Will God save black people? He made them. There we go. Will he save somebody from Iran? A Muslim? In their religion? Because of who they are and how they brought up? Does he determine? I can't save them because of that? No. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. So that's a soft fact. But humanities will prove that more likely than not, this will be the outcome if this happens. But that don't mean it's a strong hard fact, it's a soft fact. So humanities teaches us more likely than not that it ain't the truth. Amen? The truth is God's word. Because I promise you, if you apply it the way it's intended and the way it's written, you will have an outcome that equals a hard fact. Amen. If you accept his son as your savior, amen. Yeah. If you accept that he hung on a cross of Calvary for my sins, that's a hard fact. Yes. It's debatable, and there's a lot of people with a lot of logic and a lot of reason to try to understand why that's not the case, but I promise you, in eternity, it will be a fact, a hard fact. The Bible says that every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess, yes. Jesus yeah. is Lord. Amen. That's a hard fact. Yes. Now what we do with that is up to us. He gives us our own free will. We're our Amen. own free moral agent. Amen. But I believe that God's truth is the only truth. Yes. Amen. 
Jesus Amen. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Amen. I think that's a fact. I've reasoned that out in my mind. Is there moments in my life still today, even as a pastor, that I wake up some morning and drive and hear something and it causes me to question God for a minute? I do. Amen. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. Some days yeah. I question, is God real? Amen. Yes. Amen. But if I get on my human reasoning the way Apostle Paul's saying, there's going to be times where that we'll use it more than we're using the meat of the word and we're going to be sucking on this milk over here yeah. where that we should be in the meat to say that's a hard fact. Yes. I'm going to return back Amen. to the days of my beginning, my belief system that Jesus is Lord. Yes. Period. You can, you can challenge that time to time. And that's okay. Yeah. Does God love you if you question him? Yes. yes. Job questioned him. Yes. Saul questioned him. David questioned him. A lot of people's questioned him. Yes. So think about this. Social upbringing, emotional intelligence, intellectual intelligence, regionalism, indoctrination, all these things are studied in humanity as soft facts, and I believe we should study them. I don't think we should be ignorant of them or just cast them out and say that's never the case and should not be thought about. God wants us to think. He gave you a brain for a reason. Yeah. He ain't causing you to be a blind ignoramus walking around. He gives us freedom to live and dwell and be who he called us to be. I'll be crystal clear. What I'm saying isn't meant to be a diatribe against the intellectual community. I honor their quest for truth, for understanding and wisdom, and their continuous of the same. That they are continually as thoughtful people. I'm talking about doctors. I'm talking about people in education systems. That are still studying these things. We find these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created by God equal. That's people of reason. We find these truths to be self-evident. So I'm not putting people down that study. And if you don't study, you ought to honor those that do. Amen? Amen. Amen. I give honor to you I'm honored to. The Bible says to. There's some doctors that we need to look up to. Pastor Tim Keller said this in a podcast this last week. My understanding made a statement, and it was somewhat this line, what I heard him say. It's hard to use your past data to determine your best case or action. He said this, is may not be what you ought to do. Is is the should. So you can use data to say, I can compile all this data, use my phone, and let it AI determine what that tree is. But could it be wrong? Yeah, it can. So that's a soft fact. I want the hard fact. So is isn't what you ought to do. And if you reason amongst yourself and a reason in peer groups amongst yourself and have believers around you that helped you along this life's journey, your is will transition from what you think to what you ought to do. And that's what God wants us to do today. Stop thinking what you should do and think of what I ought to do. Amen. Pastor Tim Keller, he died just recently this past year of cancer. And he was a he was a gift to the body of Christ. He wasn't from our denomination. He wasn't from our same thought system. He was different in a lot of his doctrines than I am. But I give honor to him 
He went to a church of 100 in New York City in the 80s when people were killing people on the street corners and said, I'm going to make a difference. And over his years of ministry in New York City, it has transitioned. Are there still killings there? Yes, but it's not like it was. He created a church called Redeemer Church in the center of New York City. Redeemer Church. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means bought to set free. Amen. Jesus bought me with his blood to set me free from the troubles I cause others. Amen. He changed my should, what I thought I should do, to what I ought to do. If we will let Jesus do what he intends to do for our community, we'll see that here. We stood yesterday at an event, and they told us, this is a guy that's an FBI agent, secret agent, told us that rural Kentucky is more likely to have murders than downtown big communities in Kentucky. In number per 100,000 people, it's a fact. There's a lot of small communities in Kentucky, rural communities, that have had twice the murders in the last year than big cities. But you see, if you watch the news all the time, you think all the murders are happening in the big town. But murders are happening right here. And that isn't God's will. And I would like to change people's mind to think, what does God want us to do? And if we sit around in huddles like this, I promise you, if you don't have to believe today. You can keep coming back. The bridge is a place where we come and we'll challenge things. We'll think through things. We'll talk about things. You're you're a free moral agent to think for yourself. You don't have to believe exactly like me. This is a church that Jesus set up, said I'll build it, and I can do what I want to do in in the hearts and minds of others. I ain't here to dictate to you what you have to do or what you ought to do. We have God that tells us our ought. Not just should, but ought to be. And it'll change not only me, it'll change my family and those around me and all my community, my nation, and my world. Why? Because it's what I ought to do. That's God's way. It's His will. And that's what I want us to do today. Conclusion is this. Do you want to do what you ought to do? Or do you want to do what you should do? What you think you should do. God is calling us to be a church that does what we ought to do. Not what I want to do, not my opinion, not my way or the highway. It's what does he want. That's what we ought to do. That's what Elizabeth done by going and using working out in a foreign nation to bring the gospel to people that may have never heard it. There are people there that you may have never heard about Jesus. We can meet them on this street corner and meet them around the side of the world. That's what we ought to do. Is tell others about who he is and how he changed my life. If you want to know what you ought to do, you ought to do that. In a way that aligns with the scripture and his word.